Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex, and with me tonight I have Logan. Uh, good evening, Alex. How are you, Logan? We've got a couple of games to get through uh, that we've had in the past week. A couple of good draws, uh, a couple of handy points to get on the board, first against Villa and then against Wolves. We'll start with the Villa game. Um, a lot of talking points out of this game, obviously, with the return of Steve Bruce to the KCOM and a couple of players as well, but also a very handy point on the field. Um, how did you see the game? Did you see it as a point gained or two points dropped? Yeah, interesting game. And as you mentioned, the, the sentimental value of the, the player relationship and also the, the manager and Brucey returning to the KCOM, it always was going to be one of those games that had that extra, extra feeling or, or motivation to beat them. Uh, particularly after the draw earlier on in the season. I think it was opening day, actually. Yeah, yeah opening day. If, if memory serves me correctly. And, um, yeah, obviously a, a very similar result uh, in, in the sense that we, we took a point, as you mentioned, against uh, a team that's, you know, certainly, uh, as we know, the uh, movie with Steve Bruce is, is probably going to cause some damage or certainly be a team that you would uh, like to avoid in the playoffs. But uh, they will be there and uh, they will be a difficult side. So I think for... Where we find ourselves placed on the on the table, um, despite dominating large patches of the game and, and looking probably certainly the better side in the second half, uh, disappointing not to get three points. But I think that at this stage of the season to take a point, um, given the feeling that was in the game and the fact that any point at the moment is a, is a point gained, uh, given the position we find ourselves in, uh, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, as you say, um, the, the position we find ourselves in every point, it kind of ekes us closer to safety. And it was a great game in the sense that from the first whistle, basically, Jared Bowen takes a shot at goal 30 seconds into the game. It looks like it's going to be a very attacking sort of game. A lot of promise um, ended up nil-nil, which we can't be too disappointed with. It gives us an extra point towards safety. Um, but then, as you say... Um, the sentimental reasons, Bruce back at the KCOM, Snodgrass, El Mohamedy, Chester, all in the opposition lineup, which is a bit unsettling to see. Um, Bruce has a great record against former clubs. Obviously, we experienced the positives out of that with the record against Sunderland under Bruce. Um, so I guess it's a positive that we got two points this season against Villa, the, the Villa side under Bruce. Um, wh- what was your take of, of that sort of return and the emotion around having Bruce back at the KCOM? Really, a, a, a kind of a strange or weird feeling, if you will. I think that uh, Steve Bruce returning to the KCOM should feel um, somewhat romantic. There should be some kind of nostalgia in there where all the City faithful automatically default to the, the good times that we experienced under Bruce. Um, obviously, he's our most successful manager. And I guess the fact that he was incredibly endeared uh, to the fans and he was very well liked uh, across the board. Uh, he certainly taught us um, how to defend uh, very solidly for, for, for a long period of time. And I think that uh, that was probably the attributes of, of Steve Bruce that we always knew we were going to have. And at, at times we were critical of his attacking uh, form, uh, but uh, they were the patches. that We always had a resilience about us under Steve Bruce. So I think that the thing that soured the feeling was that some fans still obviously uh, hold that, that little bit of bitter grudge, regardless of whether they understand why he left. But... I think it was the fact that he left after the season and on um, on terms where it was obviously not a workable relationship with the Allen administration, which um, seems to be a common trend. Uh, but I think that 
uh, we could have, uh, or certainly a lot of people would have liked to have seen him stick it out and continue on because he was so well liked and and did uh, produce some incredible moments at his time uh, managing the club. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say there the um, ill feeling that was directed towards him sometimes to do with his tactics, and you can see the sort, same sort of uh, emotion directed at him from the Villa supporters uh, at least during the last week, uh, where they've kind of gone onto a bad patch of form, struggling towards the playoff places, a couple of draws, a couple of losses. I think they lost to QPR a couple of weeks ago, who we face this week. And then obviously the draw against us, where you would think from their point of view, at least, that sitting fifth in the table, they'd expect three points against us. And there was a bit of frustration towards Bruce. And you look at that reaction sometimes and you think, oh, geez, you know, our last promotion season to the Premier League, there was a bit of that frustration towards him as well. And I think around the same patch of the season, in fact, February, March, where we dropped off the results and it kind of cost us those automatic promotion places. And then, of course, they've gone on and beaten um, Reading, I think it was, during the week. I, 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 don't, I can't remember who they had during the week, where they, they won 3-0 or 4-0 or something like that. And you sort of see that bounce back. And um, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost voyeuristic in a sense. You look at the Villa supporter base and you look at how they react to Bruce and how they're going during the season you think gee you know that was us a couple of seasons ago and it's very sim- very familiar and very similar to how we sort of experienced life under Bruce as well. And I find that remarkable as well when you think about the club Aston Villa and how large their fall from grace was and the the, the fact that they lost the dressing room and had a few managerial changes and there was so much going wrong at that club. Um, to find themselves where they are now under Bruce, and uh, yeah. obviously he's, he's brought in some great players in there in playoff. Well, they're going to be in the playoffs rather, uh, and we'll, we'll do a damn mighty fine uh, shot at, at, at winning the thing if you know if Steve Bruce has anything to do with it. So yeah, as you mentioned, there's there's been some incredible parallels between his time at City and his time at Villa. But I think um, if there's any advice for the Villa fans out there, it's it's sit tight because he's he's proven. And if there's any manager that knows the way out of the championship um, in England, he's he's certainly the man. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I remember early in the season, I mean, I don't want this to become too much about Villa rather than us, but I remember early in the season, a lot of their supporters were basically asking for his head because they weren't, you know, sitting in the promotion places uh, or the automatic places perhaps. And I remember thinking that it was a bit ridiculous that they were thinking that when you think, as you say, they had Lambert recently, they've had... Um, um, uh, his name's gone out of my head now, but the, the current Scottish manager as well. But they've had a couple of pretty dour, disappointing managers at their helm, um, which has meant that they've been relegated, which has meant that they struggled to even stay in the championship at one point. Uh, and Bruce has kind of come in and turned that around and he's given that club a bit of resiliency again uh, and has them sitting in those playoff places, as you say. And I think looking at the four teams sitting in the playoff places at the moment, if it's if it's not Villa that go up, it'll be Fulham. Um, but there's not a whole lot that separates those two clubs. And I think, as you say, Bruce, you know, if you want to look for a manager that will get you out of the championship, Bruce is pretty much your man. Yeah, yeah look no further. He, exactly. And I think that all of those feelings, probably the fact that he coincided with a return to the KCOM, where they're sitting, where we're sitting, uh, probably did have a little bit of feeling, but for some reason just didn't seem to have the the, the warm, warm, fuzzy uh, feeling that I, I suspect that some people were expecting. Alex McLeish was the manager I was thinking of. He's the current Scotland manager. He was uh, there for a little bit. But yeah, so um, a good point gained there against Villa, I think. And as you say, team sitting in the playoff places, coming to a team that's sitting pretty much fighting for relegation, a point is a pretty good result in that one. 
as it was against Wolves a couple of days later. Um, a 2-2 draw with Wolves, went 1-0 down early, but fought back and were actually leading 2-1 at one point in the game and then conceded the lead late to uh, to Wolves. And uh, it was an interesting game because going into it, you looked at the Wolves lineup or you looked at the players available for Wolves and you thought, well, Neves was going to miss out. I think Njai was also missing... Uh, through a suspension as well, or, or it, was, it was perhaps another one of their players. But they had a whole lot of attacking talent, creative talent missing in that game. And you thought, gee, you know, we're actually a chance here to get a result, if not a win, at least a draw. Um, you look at the lineup that we put out, and, okay, we rotated the players a little bit. Um, and, and perhaps going into the game, you look at that lineup, you think, well, maybe we're not going to get the result that we could potentially get if we were going full strength. Um, but the players... As sometimes happens, sometimes you see the, the, the weaker lineups and you think you're not going to get a result, and then they sort of are the ones that actually pull out the great result. Myler getting the penalty, um, Grzycki creating the chance that led to an own goal that gave us the lead. Suddenly these players are really sort of lifting and, and, and pulling for the team, and, and it was great to hear from Adkins that Myler's got that passion back. I don't know if he really ever lost it. He's always been a very passionate player for the club. Uh, and we played a fantastic game against Wolves, and it was almost the point that's basically secured our safety. Yeah, arguably. I still think that there's a little bit of work to do uh, before we can uh, say that we're home and host, particularly uh, knowing how the championship operates and how anyone can beat anyone. Uh, but as, as you mentioned, another another point, um, two points in, in as in as many games against um, two teams that are in the top six and, um, well, league leaders as well, uh, you know, <laughs> no less than. Um, so uh, two huge points and, and two points that were probably somewhat unexpected, although I think that um, the, the most optimistic to City fans probably did fancy us to, to pick up um, some points against those two teams. So I think a huge result against Wolves, um, it certainly does seem, uh, after the, the, the most recent two games that we've seen, that a few things have changed in the in the background at, uh, at City and there does seem to be a, a bit of a different feel around the place. I think players are starting to adjust to life under Atkins and there does seem to be a bit of competition for places again, um, particularly after Dawson's form against Villa, um, when defence has clearly been a frailty, particularly in those, those central roles. Um, it, it's, it's nice to see a, a, some kind of renewed feeling and that uh, is, is capped off by the performance of Wolves, as you mentioned. So you've touched on there that you think that there's a bit of work to be done before safety is secured. I think we're seven points clear at the moment of Barnsley, who are sitting in 22nd. How many points do you think, or um, how many wins or points, yeah, do you think that we would need to secure that safety? I mean, uh, six games remaining from our point of view, seven games for Barnsley. Uh, do you think another win does it, or do you think there's still going to be a bit of competition and that we'll just kind of have to keep going until the end of the season? I think the biggest thing standing in our favour at the moment is also the fact that uh, the goal difference that we have is far superior to any of the teams that are placed around us. So uh, whilst the, the league table does tell us that we are seven points clear, I believe, of, of Barnsley, it's, it's close to eight. I can't really see Barnsley um, winning three of their last seven games, although if you if you take a look at the form of Birmingham, who were, were stuttering, um, they seem to have turned the corner very quick as everyone starts to... Uh, so really, really dig in for that dogfight to to scrape out of the that bottom few placings. I think that four points is probably what we need. I think forty five points will see us clear um, and, and safe um, without a doubt. I think anything short of that, we would just have 
to keep looking over our shoulders. So a win and a draw from our final final six games, I think, will be more than enough. So you say a win and a draw, and I guess if we look ahead to our next two games, which we've got coming up this weekend and then midweek next week, it's a great chance to get at least a dent in that points total needed. QPR at home and then Burton away. We'll start with QPR at home. Uh, very disappointing result away at QPR earlier in the season where we, we took a 1-0 lead early in the game. I think we were leading at half-time, even uh, from memory. Uh, that could be wrong. Uh, but then collapsed late in the game. It was a very typical sort of Slutsky performance at the time. There was a lot of criticism around his management about the fact that we were conceding these um, leads late in games. Um, lost that game 2-1, but this is a great chance to make amends. QPR, decent form lately. They've taken points at Fulham and Villa as well, I believe. Uh, a draw at Fulham, a win at Villa. So not an easy opponent by any stretch of the imagination, but a great chance for us to sort of make a dent and in, in, inroads, as you say, into um, securing survival for another season. In the strangest way, despite having such a dour season and being on the, the end of some very, very disappointing results, I, I do feel that we've kind of handled ourselves very well against uh, the bigger teams. I, I think about the, the current week, we can draw from that. Also, when we had that run of form around the Christmas where we played Leeds and Derby in short succession, who were high-flying at the time. Uh, we've always seemed to lift for these bigger games, yet uh, have kind of started against the teams that in, in previous years, like your Preston's and um, uh, the game, that, I think Brentford perhaps, um, games that we've, we've dropped points that um, were just, oh, not in Forest, rather, is the game I'm thinking of. Um, we've dropped points that we just certainly shouldn't have um, even gone close to. So, I think that when we when we look at the the season as a whole, I, d- I don't think City have anyone to fear, and I think that uh, a QPR opponent is certainly a matchup that um uh, is probably about even as far as we're concerned as, as far as how teams are playing and and on paper. I would I'd be very disappointed if we weren't to get at least the point against them. I think that the the uh, tricky fixture is the Burton away game. I think that they are the kind of ones that we've we've stumbled on, and I think that Burton. Uh, certainly when they look at their position in, in the league at the moment, um, they will have RCE marked as a game that they must win. And I think that they will play out of their skin to, to try and um, do anything to, to take three points. Yeah, I think it's um, the most frustrating element of the season, as you've said, is the fact that we do lift our game for those um, higher quality opponents, I suppose, in terms of your Wolves and your Villas, your Fulhams and those sorts of teams who are really flying in the championship. But when they've come to the KCOM and played us or when we've played them in various games we've actually performed quite well and and you can sort of see that our squad uh, player for player can actually match those greater teams it's the consistency that we're lacking that's really meant that we're down where we are because as you've said you look at our goal difference and our minus six goal difference is okay granted Sheffield Wednesday is only a couple of places above us with a similar goal difference but you look at the amount of goals scored and we're actually performing a lot better on that front, at least, than our league position would suggest. And you think if we could actually tighten about tighten up our defence, perform a little bit better, we could have actually had a whole lot of a better season than we had. And it's frustrating, I guess, from a point of view that Slutsky was obviously looking at us being a much more attacking side and hadn't focused as much on the defensive side, and that might have cost us a, a lot of points early in the season. But you look at the game against Wolves midweek this week where we drew 2-2 and we really weren't that different from them even with our second string compared to their second string um, and 
it's maybe a case of an opportunity wasted where the squad itself could have potentially performed a whole lot better and has really underperformed this season. Um, I guess it's just one of those things that you take into next season and try and build on for, for the coming campaign. Um, but yeah, I mean, QPR is a great opportunity to take three points. As well as they've been travelling, it really should be a game that we look to, to take three points out of. Um and, and hopefully push on from there. Burden, as you say, it's a, it's a really danger game away at a, at a team that needs to win. They're coming last in the championship at the moment, um, which is in, its, in itself remarkable that Sunderland have sort of pulled themselves up to potentially pull themselves out of that quagmire. But um, Burden, yeah, it's probably the, the more challenging game out of the two. Oh, without a doubt, and I think that it's one even the the extra incentive for them with with Jackson Irvine being in the in the Tigers lineup as well. There's a lot of things that make that game a, a tricky one, and I just I think that QPR is the one. If we were to get three points against QPR and and drop points at Burton, whilst it wouldn't be a very promising sign uh, losing to the team as you mentioned at the the tail of the championship, I think I'd probably accept that um, at, at the moment. Yeah, I, I think mathematically speaking, if over the next two games. I mean, if Barnsley were to lose both games, if we can take four points out of the Burton and QPR games, I think we're essentially mathematically safe. Um, it might take an extra game after that. I, I'm not too sure. I think it's a winnable game as well, the next one that we will play. Um, but essentially, if we could get a win and a draw in our next three games, potentially our next two games even, um, that would essentially secure our safety, uh, which would be... A pretty amazing thing to do when considering I think there was you know at one point we were in the relegation zone uh, and really had our backs up against it and to kind of pull ourselves clear with a couple of games to go would be quite a performance but I mean as you touch on for Burton Irvine coming back to the ground where he he really sort of made his name in the championship would be an interesting storyline and then you've also got the QPR clash where we'll have Luongo playing against us, so he's he's been in great form lately as well. So it'll be interesting to see another Aussie up against us and and, and potentially in great form. Yeah, without a doubt, and it is it is good to see from uh, from an Aussie perspective, uh, Massimo Luongo finally starting to to show what he's capable of at QPR. I know that he's had a, a pretty positive start there, and then seemed to die off a little bit, but seems to have um, been part of a, a late resurgence, which is, which is really promising to see. But um, certainly, let's hope that, uh, that on the weekend he's well below his game and, and, and City turn up um, ready to, to take all three points in that fixture. Absolutely. Uh, so what's your score prediction for the two games? It, it sounds as if you're sort of predicting perhaps a win against QPR, a draw against Burton, but what, what, what sort of scores are you looking at? I feel that we've we've come to a, a kind of boil over point at City around the time where we uh, we ended up beating Forest away, and uh, there just seemed to be this this simmering feel where uh, we, we were about to explode, and then uh, obviously when we went to Ipswich and, and won three 0 and and had those that kind of feel. So I'm I'm actually predicting two 0 against QPR. I think it'll be quite a comfortable fixture, and I I think it'll probably be the best game we've played this season. I think that all all signs point towards that, which is. Always a, a, a troublesome thing to say when you're talking about City because of the, the danger that um, they've inflicted on us over the years of, of pain. But I think 2-0 against City, and I think that Burton, I actually fancy them to, to nick it 1-0, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful for a, a kind of one-all draw. 
Yeah, I think I was saying to Mitch last week, it, it's very typical of City. When, when you go into a game that you're expecting to lose, they'll end up nicking something out of it. And if you're going into a game that you're expecting to win, we'll end up dropping the points. Um, look, I, I'm with you. I think we will beat QPR. I think they've been in good form lately, but you know we've been in great form as well. And it, it's a game that will really be up to win. Um, and I could see a 1 or a 2-0 win in that one, or maybe a 2-1 sort of victory. I, I get the sense, I mean, Burton have sort of found their scoring boots lately and, and, and been nicking a few goals against the better teams. But I, I do get the sense that we should potentially be winning that one. I'm thinking 1 or 2-0, um, maybe a 1-1 draw if, if they are to nick something. I can't see them getting the win, but, you know, stranger things have happened and it is getting to that point of the season where those teams at the bottom will be that desperate for a win that they might be able to pull something out. But, you know, if, if we can get two wins out of these two games, I think that would be a fantastic result and really sort of boost us up the table and, and, and pretty much secure safety, which would be great to do this uh, this early in the campaign, essentially, b- before the end of the season. Um, but we'll move on from the games and we'll talk a little bit about the off-field because there has been a little bit of interesting development off the field uh, insofar as the club's uh, actions and responses to the trust's um, discussions with them in, in recent fan meetings. Uh, and I think it was uh, earlier this week we actually saw that the club changed the Facebook page to Hull City from Hull Tigers, the Instagram account from Hull Tigers to Hull City, and have also started using the hashtag HCAF, of course, for Hull City AFC on Twitter, which... Um, I mean, I, I guess from some some perspectives, it's it's um, very little effort to change those sorts of things. But I, it's hard not to see that as a very big step from the club because, of course, for years the club has been very reluctant to use even our name, Hull City, let, much less you know Hull City AFC or the hashtag HCAF. Um, it's it's great to see that the club's sort of making that step, and it's sort of that first step on that reconciliation path and perhaps, you know, a sign of better things to come. Um, what's your take on it? Uh, it's a fearful one. I think that uh, when we talk about the uh, the Alam administration, uh, uh, trying to kind of speculate and guess what they're going to do and what their motives are uh, behind their decisions are, are always difficult ones to produce because uh, I think that I, I kind of stand with you in saying that uh, you and I were probably two of the most optimistic um, people for a long yeah. time um, in trying to support the Alam administration when when things started to go a little bit dour. And um, when the, the name change rebrand came in and uh, the uproar and um, understandable that there was, uh, I think that I, I could still somehow see merit in what they were initially trying to do until it became more and more clear um, that what they were trying to do was totally different to what they initially said. And I think that this is a, is a step in the right direction, but it probably more to me suggests that they are on the verge of, of finding a buyer or have absolutely no interest and realise that the damage that um, the protests and the, the uproar that seems to be at, at every KCOM game, but actually well, at every away game as well, and the kind of disgruntled feeling that is around the fans at the moment, and they realise how difficult it is to, to sell a club when uh, they certainly appear to, to be on, on that page. And I do think that the thought behind it is if we were to start winning the fans back over or at least winning some of the fans back over, uh, it may appear on the surface that things are a little bit rosier than they actually are. So I think that that might be the thinking behind it, um, to try and you know settle a few 
a few of the the more vocal um, upset fans, if you will. I'm not sure if it'll work, but I, I think it is a refreshing um, move, and it was it was very nice to to look on and see those changes and 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 see the old hashtag back as well. I think that uh, it's something. Whilst it's not necessarily clear what the the entire picture um, is kind of hoping to show, I think it, it's it is a step. Yeah, and I think. Look, I mean, I can completely accept if there are people out there that say, oh, well, you know, it takes two seconds to change your Facebook page name or that sort of thing. I can still appreciate that it's been five years, I think, since this whole name change debacle began. And it's obviously been going on since then, at the very least, that there's been this sort of divisiveness about the name of the club and and how the club has sort of referred to itself. Um, And I think any sort of action or any sort of effort towards unifying the supporter base and bringing back that sort of cohesiveness of referring to us as Hull City, referring to us as you know, Hull City AFC, whatever it is, uh, is always a good thing. And I think if the club is sort of making those steps towards that reconciliation, then hopefully that means, as you say, hopefully, potentially it means that there's a buyer out there that's sort of waiting in the wings for the end of the season to take over the club. Um, or, or at the very least, the owners sort of realising, look, at the end of the day, uh, the best position the club can be in to give them the best selling price is to have the stands full, you know, sell-out crowds, um, well-performing team, high position in the table, all those sorts of aspects will all contribute to them getting the best selling price they can get. So from, and it's why, look, at the start of the season, I said to you, and I think I said to Mitch as well, um, I was always optimistic in the championship that the owners and the fans would be on the same page because from the owner's perspective, the higher we could finish, the higher the value they could get for the club. And from the club, the fans perspective, obviously the higher we finish, the more chance we have of getting back to the Premier League. So I've always felt that on, in the championship, at least the fans and the, the owners should be on the same page. Hasn't necessarily eventuated this season but it's always the hope that that the next season the owners can sort of come to that realization that look it's in their best interest for the club to be prosperous and it's from the fans best interest that the club is prosperous so fingers crossed this is a sign of better things to come that in the in the summer we can hopefully make some additions to the squad strengthen the squad and really kick on from what was a you know not a great season well, and Alex, let's not forget that when the the Alums did take over the club and they bought it out, it was in a dour state, and there was yeah. in, incredible question marks about the the future of the club. In and they came in as as heroes, if you will, um, but you know, paying off the debt and being able to invest, uh, albeit a small small portion, into a player budget, and basically, well, essentially, did save the club from that kind of administration path that they were heading on. So. For the Alums to to be able to balk on this, they, they believed in the name change and the rebranded the club so much that they were able to compromise every kind of heroic feel or endearment that the fans did show towards them um, in, in in pursuit of this this idea of, of, of being Hull Tigers. So for them to even balk and then to finally cave um, and accept the changing the social media page and the, the Twitter hashtags and all the rest, it must have killed them because I think it shows a, a, a total sense of surrender and that these meetings that, that have been happening uh, with the with the trust uh, have obviously hit a nerve or got under the skin to a certain extent where uh, they're on board. Um, whilst, the, as I mentioned before, I still question the motive, but I think that 
those meetings have, have gone a long way to um, to helping them kind of crack in, in many senses. And that's why we've, we've, we've seen the, the positive change in the last couple of weeks. Well, here's hoping that regardless of, you know, what it indicates for the future, whatever it is, it's a sign of better things to come. And hopefully it's a sign that the club is really going to kick on in the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Uh, and, and hopefully we can start that with a couple of wins in our next couple of games against QPR and Burton. But thank you for joining me tonight, Logan. Uh, not a problem. Anytime. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Hopefully next time we are absolutely over the moon that we've secured our, uh, our championship, I should say, safety, with uh, victories against QPR and Burton. And we can kick on next season to, uh, to aim for promotion back to the Premier League. But until next time, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back because you're out.